was a dark time in American history when ideologies clashed. Brother fought brother, father fought son. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the, the American Civil War. A lot of blood was spilled, um, regarded as one of the bloodiest wars of all time. The casualty rate, you know, we were using weapons we didn't understand. And, and it was just absolute tragedy, the loss of life. And a lot of these places where you spill blood and you have these, these highly emotional moments in time. They mark not only the ground in blood, but with energy. Yeah, you in and, and to this day in some of these major battlefields, Wilson's Creek and Gettysburg. Gettysburg, you you still hear st- tales of ghosts and, and and the like. So we're going to we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded we become fearful to be deceived. Still we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. All right, I'm going to start off with talking uh, about Gettysburg a little bit, but not necessarily the battlefield, but uh, the Hare Inn. Uh, It was built in 1815. During the battle, it was used as a first Confederate hospital of Gettysburg, where many amputations are said to have been thrown out the window, literally, uh, to be later collected. Uh, They were going through these poor souls, these poor injured men so quickly, um, they didn't have time to block the doorways with people coming in and out. So literally it was march well, these, in soldiers or carry in soldiers. Well, these were crude times. I mean, don't you know, yeah. medicine isn't what it was. Yeah, early stages of, of medicine, literally saws, cutting the bones, hands, feet, legs, arms, throw out the, the windows to be collected later. Uh, in particular, this inn is still up uh, and operational today. Four of the guest rooms are said to be haunted. And the rooms are numbered so that there is no room 13 at the end. Now, that kind of sounds typical. 13 is it's a gen- common superstition. generally considered a superstitious number. Uh, 13 is ironically my lucky number. I was born on the 13th, and I've had a lot of good things on the 13th, but to each of their own. Now, the Hare, the Hare Inn, it was built uh, near Gettysburg in 1815. The property functioned as a local tavern until about 1828, uh, then it was purchased by Frederick Hare, when, which it keeps its name today. Um, Hare also ran property as the tavern and lodging for travelers. And additionally, the tavern was a major stop for the Underground Railroad. Uh, property played a pivotal role between saving uh, slaves and helping them to escape. Now later, the tranquility of the rural Gettysburg area was shattered by the Civil War. The Battle of Gettysburg played out in and around the fields surrounding the tavern. During the Civil War, the tavern, as I had mentioned, functioned as both first a Confederate and then a Union hospital. Rooms 1, 2, and 3 were considered the surgical rooms during the war. Uh, In these rooms, the amputations often resulted with the limbs being thrown out the windows and collected later. Um, Frederick Eyre had owned this tavern until his death in 1868, and after the death, the tavern was sold to the Reading family. 
The building was uh, bought up later on and sold over the years, eventually becoming used as a farm in the early 1900s. And then in 1977, Stephen Wolfe purchased and restored the property into a lodging dining facilities. Now, you can go and stay at the area today. Uh, many of the occurrences seem to be allocated around room number five uh, and the room directly below it, which is room number four. People staying uh, in room number five is kind of the attic portion of the inn. They recorded in one of the uh, online inn journals that they believed it was definitely one of the more haunted rooms being over top of the rooms below. Several events, uh, in particular, the door uh, knob would turn to the room many times during the night as if someone outside was turning it by hand and then kind of shake. When they would get up and try to actually put their hand on the doorknob, they could feel a resistance of someone turning it from the opposite side. Often when you would try to do that, it would just cease and desist. And even to the point of when they were trying to open it or close it, they felt as if there was an entity or force that was either pushing it closed if they were outside or vice versa, resisting it being opened. Um, There's also shuffling heavy boot steps up the steps of the attic, almost as if someone was retreating fleeing, running for their life, very, very noisy, very abrupt that would wake them many times. Now, the weird part is the steps are carpeted today uh, and (laughs) very cushioned. So obviously the sounds that they're hearing would have been the original wooden steps. Yeah. Um, In and around the end, the area, especially where the surgical rooms are, they said they can hear moaning cries and screams of the soldiers kind of typical of what you might imagine with amputations being going on you know going on it's pretty common in locations that were used as field hospitals i think Um, so that was just a little story i had around the gettysburg area well i uh jumped right in with this one and i I went to you know start where start with what you know so we went to wilson's wilson's creek battlefield known also as the battle of oak hills and the battle of springfield now i've been there it's a very somber you know location I'm not going to lie, when I went, uh, my wife wanted to go, and and when I went, I was primarily going for this reason, to be honest. I was hoping (laughs) I would see something experience something. something. This was the first major battle of the Trans-Mississippi Theater of the Civil War. It was fought on August 10th, 1861. Both sides suffered heavy losses with over 1,300 Union forces and over 1,200 Confederate troops losing their lives that day. The worst fighting was seen at a ridge which would later become known as Bloody Hill. People report seeing apparitions of soldiers on Bloody Hill and hearing the sounds of guns and cannons in the background when they're standing there. I think one of the stories was that uh, a couple young men went to the top of Bloody Hill and they started to hear the sounds of battle around them and they were just feet apart but they couldn't talk to each other. Like One would try to speak but the other couldn't hear. They almost they almost like they were caught out of time for a moment. Hmm. Visitors also encounter abnormal cold spots in that area, and people there at night uh, talk about hearing moving movement and talking in the nearby woods as if people are are undercover and trying not to be seen. There's a lot of reported activity in the Ray House, home of John Ray and his family. They took shelter there during the battle and they survived unharmed. As the fighting moved uh, moved on, their home became a field hospital, and if you're familiar with the EVP phenomenon, which we, we mm-hmm. talked about before, I'm sure, but uh, you, recordings made in the house pick up eerie moans and groans, um, you know, from those soldiers probably that were that were there wounded. You can only imagine. Uh, one of the tales from the Ray House is of a volunteer. They were they were out outside the home, and a volunteer was telling a story. 
to a, to a group when one of the students in the group pointed and said, who's that? Well, he stopped and he turns around and there's a woman in period garb walking between them and the house. Uh, he turns around to go ahead and finish what he's saying and he's kind of curious. He doesn't know if there's supposed to be anybody else there. He looks back and she hasn't had time to cross the whole distance or even go into the house and, and she's no longer there. Just vanished. Um, there's also a story told by a gentleman who uh, his father told him that he had gone fishing with his uncle back in the 1950s and they're, they're on the creek there when they saw Union soldiers come through the trees. They marched across the creek and disappeared into the woods on the other side. Never heard a sound. Not a twig snap, not a splash in the water as they tromped through the creek. Mm. Um, the man said he was there later fishing as an adult and saw the same thing. So it happened more than once. Reoccurrence. And seemingly unrelated, because there, there's no document of a teenage girl losing her life at, the, uh, at this battle, but uh, there's a, a ghost of a teenage girl seen near the postmaster's house. And she'll walk through the prairie grass down to the creek as if to fetch water. And there's again, there's no document of, of a, a young girl losing her life at that point, but could possibly stand a reason, maybe cotton gunfire, crosshairs. Okay. Well, I like what you did, kind of bringing it home to stuff you're familiar with. Yep. Um, so I thought I would share a couple stories that literally took place <laughs> out my front door or side door of the house that I currently live in. Um, now, of course, we're here in Lebanon, Missouri, and just a quick little history. There was what is called Old Town. Uh, now, that was before the railroad came to town, and Lebanon had uh, a couple streets over there where the original courthouse was, general store, tavern, the inn. When the railroad came to town, um, Lebanon people don't play well sometimes with uh, <laughs> out-of-towners. So long we, story we short, we still have that problem. In yeah, Lebanon. we seem to. Uh, the, they were not able to reach an agreement, so the railroad decided not to veer towards Lebanon, but to almost intentionally veer away from <laughs> Lebanon. So Old Town, as it was known, was picked up and moved to where the railroad has come through, and that's why Lebanon does not set on a true compass north, south, east, or west. It literally sets at an angle right along the railroad track yeah. as it came in. So the area we're talking about uh, is considered Old Town, uh, pre-railroad Lebanon. But uh, one of the stories I was told many, many years ago, uh, back when I was president of the local historical society, I uh, was interviewing some people uh, that had an old house in the vicinity known uh, recently as the Keystone Mansion. Uh, now, the story was there was a black servant that was working at the Keystone Mansion one afternoon during the time of the Civil War. And he had stepped off the back porch and was getting ready to ring the dinner bell when he noticed there was a large group of Union soldiers that was marching in on what would be called Old Wire Road. And Old Wire Road literally runs um, just to the right-hand side of my front porch. There's one other house on the, on the entire block. That was called Old Wire Road because that is the telegraph wire road that would bring in the telegraph to Lebanon. He went out and he was ringing the, uh, the bell basically for dinner, but continued to strike it to try to alarm the people of Lebanon that the Union soldiers were invading Lebanon. The story goes on that uh, he was shot by a Union uh, officer trying to obviously keep their secret that they were coming in. And to this day, many people in that vicinity will say that they can hear this dinner bell being rung at or about sunset uh, at certain times of the year. They're also kind of connected, but not exactly connected. There is a, later on, there was a, a black couple that came to town 
that was interviewing for a, a book, and they had mentioned an old slave cemetery that was over there on the property. And that struck my fancy because I had never heard it at all uh, about that with the Keystone Mansion. It is actually, as you're heading out to North 5 on the side across from the Guard Exchange uh, off of Harwood Avenue, and according to what they said, they actually had family members that was buried there. The cemetery, unmarked, there's not a single marking whatsoever, would be somewhere around 20 to 30 graves, um, and said this would have been back uh, early 1800s to like eight, late 1800 time frame, and Again, this is kind of an open field. I believe it's for sale right now. Uh, you would never know that that was there. Now, ironically, Wampus across is the big Lebanon cemetery. Uh, and, of course, it's the biggest cemetery here in Lebanon. Um, but a lot of people say that they have experienced uh, crying, uh, weird noises, feeling of being watched if they're walking along the streets in that vicinity. Um now the it's key, really not very far from where I'm at. Yeah, that's in between. That's yeah. that's literally the path between my house and, and Bill's house of where they're at. Now, the Keystone Mansion actually has a lot of history uh, that is there. It was two prominent families that when they married, uh, the Owens and the Keystone families, they literally connected the two family homes to make one. And when they did that, uh, it was a massive house, uh, three stories, not counting the basement. And there was over 20 individual rooms. Many were converted to bedrooms. Um, six different fireplace hearths. And at different times, the basement served as a distillery as well as a uh, mortuary. So there's a lot of history right there in that vicinity. Now, that house was tore down when they put in Easter Elementary School. And they put a road literally almost right through the path of where that house is at. Uh, if you look close enough, you'll still see kind of a, a block pillar that would have been one of the entrances uh, to the Keystone Mansion. And at one time, there was some pretty lavish gardens and stuff that was there. But that area seems to definitely be a hot spot uh, for paranormal activity, not just Civil War, but definitely uh, Civil War time frame. My son, and I'm, I'm not, I don't remember which one of my kids it was. I was talking to my, my younger son last night, and he doesn't remember, so it may have been my older one. He told um, my wife the story one day of what he called the magic man. And he said he saw a man standing in our bedroom doorway that he described as, as a gray man with a gun and a sword that saw him and disappeared. Now, we, you know, I'm a sci-fi guy, and, and you know, I, I didn't know, like, a gray man and gun and sword, blah, blah, blah. Never even occurred to me when I first heard the story, so... Later on, and it may have been some time later, but he was telling the story. You know, we were talking about it again, mm -hmm. and I and I, I got on the computer real quick, and I pulled up a picture of a Confederate soldier, a Confederate officer. Uh, you know, gun and sword. It kind of clicked in my head, and my son was like, "Yeah, he was dressed just like that." So that story is almost verbatim to my daughter's story, which I think I shared in a couple podcasts before. Uh, where we live now, she felt that she would wake up middle of the night and a Confederate soldier, she didn't realize what it was, but yeah. later on, same way identifying, would almost be, I don't want to use the word lurking, because she said he never seemed aggressive, but almost like uh, guarding her as she slept. And honestly, if you look at, uh, you know, anecdotes about hauntings in, in the Lebanon area, there's a lot of, like there's one called the Cowboy House, where there's a guy in a hat you can occasionally see in silhouette in the windows. 
And I mean that that's just one step away from saying, you know, he's in you know, Confederate uniform. Right, right. So it seems to be pretty common for our for our little area here. No. So I'm gonna talk about the the what's regarded as the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. On September seventeenth, eighteen sixty two, in Antietam Creek near Sharpsburg, Maryland, called the Battle of Antietam or the Battle of Sharpsburg. There were four hours of intense fighting that took place on an old sunken road separating two farms. Uh, 23,000 plus men lost their lives that day, uh, wounded, killed, or missing in action as the armies collided. And that road today is now known as Bloody Lane. Fitting. Uh, According to witnesses, the area is now very haunted. Uh, You'll hear gunfire and smell gunpowder in the air uh, when there's no one on the road or nearby. And oftentimes when there's a, a fog in the field, you'll see soldiers walking through the fog. Uh, one visitor claimed to see several Confederate soldiers walking down Bloody Lane one time. He thought they were reenactors until they vanished before his very we, we, eyes. We've heard that before. Uh, one of my favorite stories from that area is uh, the children from the McDonough School, and that may be, I may be saying that wrong, in nearby Owings Mills, Maryland. Uh, the class had, had taken a tour and, and gone through the historical part, and, and as the tour finished up, they were allowed a certain amount of time to go around and do as they will, you know. So they were kind of roaming around. Uh, some schoolboys ventured into an area about 100 yards from Bloody Lane. And uh, when they got back with the rest of the group, they described hearing a chant like a Christmas song. Uh, said it was the fa-la-la-la-la part of Deck the Halls. Now, that seems a little weird. Yeah, that's what? But then let me tell you about the 69th New York, also known as the Irish Brigade. They were Union soldiers of Irish, they were all Irish immigrants fighting for the Union cause. And in the Battle of Antietam, they kept charging a Confederate position. They, they needed to break this Confederate line. They kept charging and kept charging. They kept charging until they were out of ammunition, no, no longer could fire at their enemy. Then they continued to fight with only their bayonets, charging this Confederate position. Never give up, never surrender. They were getting shot at and just massacred. I think they lost more than 60% of their unit that day. With each volley of gunfire, the brigade would charge across the battlefield and scream their battle cry. Now, this is Gaelic. I'm sure I'm going to not say this right. <laughs> but the Gaelic phrase was Fal al bala, which translates from Gaelic to roughly clear the way. Very similar to fa la 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 la. Yeah. And once once the kids heard that story, they figured, you know, you put, put one on one together. Yeah. So they were they were hearing the old... Irish brigade charging the Confederate ranks. Now, again, for those people who would throw stones and scoff at some of this, that would be a very obscure fact. And for them not to know ahead of time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to come up, here's what I heard, almost uh, like invite the ridicule, follow along, is a yeah. Christmas song. Why in the world yeah. would you kids hear that? Um, you know, that, that definitely adds some merit for me. Uh, another haunted spot is the Burnside's Bridge, uh, known at the time as the Rohrbach Bridge, where General Ambrose Burnside pushed back the Confederate forces. Uh, visitors at night report seeing balls of blue light that move around the bridge, and also you'll hear the sound of the drum playing cadence as it fades into night. So I found that kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Then there's the Pry House and the Piper House that still stand on the battlefield. Both are reportedly haunted. And stories range, you know, from your, your usual footsteps on the stairs to apparitions of, of a woman in one of the houses. Uh, and she's thought to be the wife of one of the generals who died in this in the in the house. And then the nearby St. P- 
Paul Episcopal Church was used as a Confederate field hospital after the battle. And again, reports uh, of, of hearing the screams of the injured and the dying still come from the building. And people report seeing flickering lights coming from the church's bell tower. So Interesting. Well, again, when you consider the Civil War, much less the Revolutionary War, but the Civil War, there were a lot of battlefields and some well-documented, some obscure, some probably not even recorded. Um, I'd like to share another one of a possible, uh, I, I don't know if I want to use the word battlefield, but possible uh, encounters. And this again is right over by my house area. As you would look out my kitchen sink, you would literally look out <laughs> into this field. Um, very well known around here, um, especially by the local police department uh, because I, of the, we've n- talked about this, the number of sightings every year. And it always seems to start, ironically, around the first part of October. Now, you might kind of scoff and laugh at that, but it's not around Halloween. Instead, it seems to be the first week or so of October. Um, As I'd mentioned, as you step out my front door, uh, which is on Cherry Street to the right is the old wire road, to the left would be this field. My kitchen, like I said, window looks out to this. That particular field has a lot of history for Old Town. First off... um, there was a building that was there called the Old Academy, and it was one of the earliest pre-college type schools in the tri-state area. It was built in 1855, uh, about six years, five years before the Civil War started. Um, now it's nothing more than a vacant field. I mean, literally, it's cornfields um, that they harvest off of. But uh, that vacant field sets in, like I said, what is now called Old Town in Lebanon. Um, it's on the corner of Chain, uh, Cherry and Main Street. There, right across from that, there is a local farmer that has started redeveloping the area and built in several duplex homes, which literally their front door faces right out to this field. And uh, some of them have even mentioned that they they often see soldiers, uh, both Union and Confederate, walking or running across that field the first part, first week, especially of like October. The local police... I've talked to several times when they come in the shop and different things. Yeah, police collect toys and stuff too. That's a thing. (laughs) A couple of them in particular, they're like, it's kind of like what we run the rookies through. Every October, we know we're going to get sightings out in that area, that field. So we'll always send the rookies out, you know, to to go. And and see, that goes back to, um, you know, one of our early episodes where we talked about you know, the people documenting and the people claiming to see these things, you you have, you know, local police. Yes. Who say they're seeing these things. So and one particular at least experiencing encountering one particular female officer uh, I've talked to several times. Um, she said, I, I have personally seen them. She goes, I, you know, at first we kind of blew it off and but then it just it, it like reoccurs over and over and over. And she said, I was actually out there and I believe she said she saw multiple soldier like uh, the, the weird part is they don't seem to have a lower torso in many of the descriptions. So I say running, maybe floating would be, you know, the better word. Well, and who, who knows how they lost their lives? I mean, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it does really make sense that the area known as Old Town in Lebanon would be a hot spot for ghostly Civil War occurrences. Uh, like I mentioned, the old wire road, Telegraph Road, that's where the Union troops had marched into Lebanon. Um, and where the uh, the slave was, or the servant was shot on the back uh, steps. Also, just up the road two blocks away is uh, Wood Street Baptist Church. 
Now, that old church site is documented well as being occupied by both the North and the South multiple times as a medic field hospital. Um, So, again, that is within walking distance of this open field. Um, Also, I want to take it back a little bit further. We had the old town itself, which we had general stores, we had taverns, we had churches, the courthouse. Um, One of my friends that live up in that area actually owns a house in what is would have been known as kind of the tavern area, the inn area. And um, when he was remodeling the house, he actually was uh, making an addition onto the house, basically doubled the size. And when they dug in the found, what would become the foundation, uh, they found uh, uh, some teeth uh, that they thought was human. Yeah. They found uh, parts of an old pistol and uh, several old shot glasses. And so, I mean, there's definitely, there's a lot of history taking it even a step further just at the end of uh, Main Street, as it goes into Harwood, uh, goes back to the Wyota Indian time frame, and there is a giant sinkhole. And uh, there are said to be tunnels and caverns that run underneath all of that area of Old Town. There was actually a cave entrance that was sealed off uh, back in, I believe, the late 60s because some kids had got in there and got lost. So they had uh, barred it off, and I think since then they've you know filled it full and everything. But the Wyota Indians and the Laclede Indians used to uh, dance and do their their uh, rituals and different things there at the at that sinkhole. So Lebanon definitely seems to be an area of hot spots. Now I can say I've lived in in our house in that vicinity for about seven years. I've never heard drum music or or anything like that. But I can tell you I have heard rustling over in the cornfields. That was more than just the wind. Uh, it could have been a deer or, you know, anything. But um, as we said earlier on, you know, blood stained this nation's land during the Civil War. And it left a lot of energy, some a lot of negative energy possibly as like, well. It kind of goes to this old joke I saw the other day, um, kind of recurrent. But, uh, you know, somebody talks about like all the bad luck that we seem to have sometimes in, in a country mm-hmm. like America. And somebody replied with, well, that's weird. It seems like maybe the whole country was built on an old Indian burial ground. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, very possible. So when we talk about the tragedies of the Civil War, of course, one of the, the main things that happened was the assassination of President Lincoln. And You mentioned you had some stories here. This this was very intriguing, interesting yeah, for me. Apparently, Lincoln is, is not at rest, which, again, shot, assassinated, killed with, with work left to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's long been said to haunt the white house. And again, this isn't a battlefield story, but I just, you know, in, in looking at ghosts of the civil war, yeah. uh, the first lady, Grace Coolidge once claimed to have seen him, uh, said he was sitting in the oval office, looking out sadly at the Potomac river. Um, queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands and Eleanor Roosevelt saw him during world war two. And the queen admitted to fainting after seeing, you know, Lincoln <laughs> in his distinctive top hat. Gerald Ford's daughter Susan refused to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom out of fear of Lincoln's ghost. Maureen Reagan claimed to have seen Lincoln's ghost in the Lincoln bedroom. So, I mean, these are, you know, I mean. Reagan is pretty close to present time. Yeah, pretty common sightings. Harry Truman also claimed to have seen Lincoln and while he was in the White House. Now, outside of the White House, Lincoln's still not at rest. Uh, obviously, Lincoln's ghost is said to haunt a house that was owned by a woman who was present at Ford's Theater when he was shot. Kind of a tenuous connection at best. But, huh? 
Um, of course, other 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 hauntings include sightings of his spirit around his grave in Springfield, Illinois. There's a portrait of Mary Todd Lincoln that he seems to fancy still. And one of my favorites that kind of goes back to an earlier podcast. On nights in April, there's a phantom train that will follow the same path as his funeral train from D.C. to Springfield, Illinois. Ooh. People have seen this this ghost train that looks just like it would have back in those days. The last recorded sighting was in the early 80s, actually. Uh, Tony Savoy, a White House operations foreman, came into the White House and saw Lincoln sitting in a chair, sitting in a chair at the top of some stairs. Hmm. Uh, one little anecdote that I, I found that I liked, and I couldn't find a lot more about it, was the Anderson House in Lexington, Missouri. I wanted to kind of stay, tried to stay close to home on a lot of these. Right. Uh, we'll just kind of throw this out there. It was called the, uh, the Battle of Hemp Bales. And apparently it took place on a hemp farm. And the soldiers would duck down behind the hemp bales when they were taking shots at each other. Uh, over 100 men were killed that day in that fight. And the house traded hands three times during that battle. Now, uh, one of the favorite stories that the tour guides like to tell is that uh, they'll see Confederate and Union soldiers walking around the grounds. But their their favorite story is is that very commonly they've had visitors come back to the the main little visitor center, however it's set up. I'm not I'm not sure, but come back to the house and say, you know, those reenactors out there, are the best reenactors I've ever seen. And then after a moment's thought, the the staff will be like, well, you know, we don't have any reenactors <laughs> here today. You know, the 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 battles may be fought and long since gone, but but some of those those that have lost their lives seem to. Not be ready to to give up the ghost, as it as it were. Well, and as you touched on early on, that war was so deep hearted. Uh, well, father it against was, son, it was brother emotional, against brother. I mean, based on the ideals of a nation, and and again, the weapons we used, it's regarded as one of the most savage and 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 you know the most loss of life, you know, for any war, because we were using weapons that we weren't ready to use. I don't I don't really know how to probably politically say this correct but a lot of our wars you you talk to people and they're like you know we didn't have a right to be there we didn't have a choice to be there yeah that particular war i think is is probably more so than any because the people really believed what they were fighting for enough that it put families against each other and uh friends against each other and like here in the missouri area we had both union and confederate um, I had grandfathers that actually fought on both sides of the war. I mean, imagine if you will, what would you do if your brother took the opposite side and showed up on your doorstep injured during the war where you could be yeah, possibly killed for housing uh, the opposite side, but it's your blood what would you do? I mean, if it comes a knocking on the door in the middle of the night and here's, here's your own flesh and blood wanting well, to seek refuge and, and get help. I mean, wow. And you know, the, the scary part is, is there's a good portion of the population today that thinks we're, you right. know, we're heading that direction. Right on the again. verge of another. And, yeah. we're, and, 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 uh, you know, we don't, we don't talk a lot of politics, but clearly in America, you know, our ideologies are, are, you know, we're clashing. We're clashing as a society daily, it seems like. The big melting pot, uh, some of the stuff doesn't uh, grind or yeah. melt down all, all the way. <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't come to pass. I don't I don't think we don't I don't think we need another stain like that on American history. I don't think that would help anybody at this point in time. Uh, it 
definitely back in the Civil War, it ripped the country apart. And as ghost stories and stuff continue on, we're still healing from it, you know, all those years ago. Well, we certainly hope that you enjoyed this episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. We appreciate your continual support and listening in. Have a great one. Hey, this is Eric, and I just wanted to give a little reach out and a plug to our first paying sponsor for Nightmares on the Lost Highway. That's our little family uh, toy and gaming shop here in Lebanon, Missouri called Raven's Loft. If you happen to be in the central Missouri area, please check us out. We have two locations. First one is at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. We've also branched out to a second location out at the Heartland Antique Mall, also here in Lebanon. You're going to find all kinds of vintage toys, Star Wars, Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mego, Universal Monsters, all types of gaming, board games, Magic the Gathering. So we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stop by. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, swing by and check us out. Thank you so much. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. Uh, um, he's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that.